the Under Centre Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Centre Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Mar, and you're welcome to this very special uh, divisional round preview show that we have. Uh, like last week, we're looking ahead to these weekend's playoff games. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined as always by Fionn Malloy. Fionn, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. And you may notice we have two new people uh, at the bottom of your screen. Uh, first of all, uh, Jay couldn't uh, make the show this evening, but we are delighted to welcome on a new member of the show. Uh, we have the next man up mentality here at the Under Centre podcast. and delighted to welcome Al McGrath's part of the team. Al, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all, no problem at all. A fellow Seahawks fan, so uh, finally now the NFC East is no longer outnumbering me on the show. So we have, we've we evened it up a little bit, um, which is great. So we'll be able to uh, get back at Fionn and Jake when they are losing their minds over the latest Washington and Giants thing. Or just, you're still smiling, I can see from ear to ear after the Seahawks or the Cowboys loss last Sunday, Fionn. Absolutely, yeah. That one's gonna <laughs> that one's gonna feel nice in my heart for a while. That might get me through the hallway into next season. <laughs> brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. And like I said, we are looking ahead to the games, and we're going to look ahead primarily now at, at the first part of this show to the uh, Rams entertaining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we're delighted to welcome back on the show Rich Hammond from the Athletic, and of course from the Eleven personnel podcast rich it's been a, a couple of weeks since we've had you on how have you been uh, well thank you good to, good to be with you guys you know just just happy that we're to this point in the playoffs uh you got challenging again obviously with the covid situation and uh, a lot of players going in and out the rams felt it uh, for a few weeks there where things looked a little bit dicey and you were starting to wonder whether some of these games would get postponed again um but uh, fortunately seemed to have gotten through that everything is on track for the playoffs and hopefully for the super bowl here in los angeles so very exciting and looking forward to some great games this weekend yeah, and don't worry, we're not at all salty about the uh, rearranged Seahawks game that they had for yourselves, even though we <laughs> lost a few players ahead of the game and we didn't get a rearrange. But we won't talk about that too much. Um, well, at least I'll try my best to. I'll, you can uh, t- ask as many questions about that as you like. You go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'd well, like let's... to just flank that one. <laughs> let's, uh, let's look ahead, though. Um the uh, the Rams uh, progressed obviously with their dominant Monday night win against the Cardinals. Uh, Kyler Murray especially could not breathe at all in the stadium, uh, and resulting in probably I think it was was it the shortest ever pick six in playoff history? I think it was. As That's well. what they said. Yes, yeah. I don't know what it was. Maybe two or three yards. I'm, I'm not sure where he actually <laughs> caught the ball, but yeah, didn't have to work very much for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't he. I hope I hope he gets a, it was an incentive based contract and he gets a, an extra couple of a uh, couple of bob in his pocket for getting a pick six. So that would have been the, the easiest bit of money I think he would have made all year. But um, the, like that, the, the defense was was stellar on uh, on Sunday night. And uh, it has been a thing with the Rams last couple of years of how good their defense has been. And interestingly, um, with the injuries uh, that they've suffered, they've brought back Eric uh, Weddle for this game last week. He's been out of the league for two years. And I just want to get your opinion. How, how do you think he fared in his first game back? 
well, uh, amazingly for the fact that he's 37 years old and and hadn't been in the league for two years, like you said, and, and really only had uh, a handful of practices before that game, before he gets on the field. So, you know, credit to Eric Weddle. The Rams had kept in touch with him, so they knew that he was still very much in good shape, uh, that, that he was working out, that he could get on there. They, they weren't going to be counting on him to play the entire game. I think he ended up playing about 30% of, of the snaps or, or something like that. So uh, it wasn't a situation where he was going to go after go out there and play the entire game. But I think the the highest compliment that I can pay him in that game is that I didn't notice him. Um, he wasn't being, uh, you know, beat on deep passes. He wasn't being targeted a whole lot. Um, and I could say that for the whole uh, Rams secondary. They also had to put uh, Terrell Burgess back there because both of their starting safeties were out. And uh, like you said, they did a very good job on Kyler Murray. They got pressure on him. Uh, the, the secondary played very well and just did not make it comfortable at all for them. So it uh, looks like the Rams might get uh, Taylor Rapp back here. So they will get one safety uh, back for the game against the Buccaneers. So that changes things a little bit. You have to rely a little less on Eric Weddle. Uh, but certainly it looks like he could still be part of that rotation, part of that package going forward. Uh, it, it certainly showed that uh, on Sunday or Monday, I should say. Monday night football it was. <laughs> Rich, you mentioned there that uh, they played very well on defense and really didn't let the Cardinals get going at all in the game. What? How do you analyze that game? Do you think the Cardinals was a tough challenge that, that bodes well for the future? Uh, and also, obviously, Stafford's first playoff win, that'll be comfortable for him. Or do you think it was more of a tune-up game and maybe the greater challenges are still to come? Yeah, I'd agree with the latter there. Um, and, and I think... The one, if you're if you're the Rams, the one thing I think you can take solace in is that they got a lot of contributions from from guys on that defense who weren't their stars. Um, you you look at that Rams defense and you expect Aaron Donald to be great. You expect Jalen Ramsey to be great. Those guys have to be good every week, or you're not going to win. But but what you saw in this past game was a lot of contributions from other guys. We just mentioned David Long with that with that uh, pick six. Um, it was Troy Reader who had the pressure on that play uh, that led to the interception. It was a guy like Nick Scott who was filling in. Has hardly played very much at all on defense. Made a, He made the uh, breakup that led to that sequence. Um, so it was guys like that. A guy like Marquise Copeland, who, who was only on the field for 15 plays, but he made a big interception. Um, it's those kind of guys. So it, it, to answer your question, if, if there's something the Rams can look at and say, okay, we this is what we can transfer from week to week, it's that. It's, it's having those other guys play that well. The challenge is going to be very different. Uh, facing Kyler Murray versus facing Tom Brady, uh, that, that entire Arizona offense versus Tampa, it's it's totally different. Um, so it's it's not like you can say, oh, if they just play that style or they play that type of, of uh, pressure or whatever. No, it's, it's going to have to change a lot. So I, I don't necessarily think just because they played well on Monday means they're going to play well against Tampa Bay. But if they can get those contributions from those guys who you don't normally think of uh, making big plays, then then that's going to be huge for the Rams. And just want to ask, Stafford played one of his best games uh, of the year last week, but he only had 17 pass attempts. Mm-hmm. Do you expect more like that, sort of a balanced attack leaning on the run? Or do you expect them to go more towards the pass next week against the books. You know, it's very, if you talk to Rams fans, it's, it's a kind of a, a, 
push and pull throughout the year. The, the Rams offense is always going to be based around the pass game. It's always going to be based around Matthew Stafford. That's that's why they traded for him. I mean, that's why they made this move to, uh, to build the offense around him. But when you see the Rams offense struggle at times, it's because generally speaking, they rely a little bit too much on the pass. They rely a little bit too much on Matthew Stafford. Uh, we saw it swing pretty far the other way. You mentioned only 17 uh, pass attempts. I think they ran the ball 30 sometimes, 35 times, uh, which is, wow. I mean, that is skewed very heavily in the other direction. I don't think you see it that far, uh, but you've seen some games this season where they pass the ball almost 50 times and they only run it 10 or 12 times. And that is not a good situation uh, for the Rams. It's not good for Matthew Stafford. I think what you saw on Monday against Arizona was pretty close to ideal in terms of they established that run. They put Matthew Stafford in situations where uh, they they weren't he wasn't having to make the big plays. He wasn't having to make the hero plays on third down. He just had to play within himself. He had to take what was there. He had to not make mistakes. And, and that's exactly what he did. So I thought they put him in very comfortable situations. Uh, and they did that by running the ball with some success. So in terms of that formula, I, I think it's a good formula for them to follow. They also were able to play with a lead, which helps. Uh, they were up, you know, 14 to nothing pretty quick there and then 21 to nothing. So certainly when you're playing with that kind of lead, you can dictate a little bit more what you want to do uh, on offense. If you fall behind by 10 or 14, uh, then it changes things a little bit. So I, I think the formula there is establish the run early, get the lead, don't don't make any turnovers, don't throw the ball away and uh, and then try to control the game. So I, I thought that was a good formula for the Rams. Yeah, Rich, and you mentioned about the the Rams that they they went, got ahead early and they got ahead up by a, a big number um, early in the game. And I want to get your opinion on the wildcard weekend as a whole. It, it has come yeah. into a bit of criticism because of the amount of blowout wins that we saw. We only saw two close games with the Raiders, the Bengals and the, the 49ers and, and the Cowboys. The others yeah. were sort of blow of victories. And, and a stat that I spoke about on the show earlier on in the week was that um, there was no second half lead changes in any of the games over the weekend as well. So which kind of maybe, you know, took away, obviously would have taken away some of the excitement of the the playoffs a bit. And what have, what have you felt about this new sort of, seven seed getting into the playoffs uh, side of things. Yeah, it's it I mean as as somebody who sat here and watched, you know, the in the entire weekend, yeah, it was a little disappointing. You you wanted to see uh better games just as a as a neutral observer. I, I do kind of feel like it was just the way that the league was this year though. I mean you, you look at the standings throughout the year and it was kind of you you had the haves and then you had the have nots. And there, there wasn't really a whole lot of middle class, I guess you could say, in, in the NFL. I mean, you, you had your 12, 13, 14 win teams, and then you had a lot of, you know, seven win teams, six win teams. Um, you, you kind of felt like there was a there was a, a, a ruling class almost of, of these teams that, that did end up advancing. I don't necessarily think that happens every year. I mean, so sometimes you see a little bit more balance, a little bit more parity uh, in the league. So we very well could get to next Next year, and maybe you don't see those 13 or 14 win teams. Maybe it's more like you have, you know, five or six teams that have 10 wins or 11 wins or whatever it may be. So I don't think the formula necessarily is bad. Um, you know, you saw one number six seed, the 49ers advance, so they, they did pull an upset there. Uh, the seven seeds didn't 
you know, obviously didn't perform very well. So you could look at that and say, well, you no, know, maybe that was a mistake. But I really just think that's a product of the seven seeds just not being good this year. Uh, very next year, you very well could see, you know, seven teams in each conference be be very good. So I'd like to look at it one more year. Uh, but yeah, if, if it becomes a trend where this first weekend of games is just kind of a flop, then then, yeah, I don't I don't think anybody really wants that. Yeah. Except people who make money on the games. They they like <laughs> they like that. And they're the ones true. in charge of, of making these schedules. So yes, they that's are. gonna be the big hurdle to overcome, I think, even yes. with the, the fan discontent that goes along with it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. it keeps making money and there's blowouts. I don't care. I don't think they'll care about the blowouts as long as the, the money keeps coming in. But let's look ahead to the game against the books on uh on Sunday. And an interesting um tidbit coming into the game as well is is sort of the the record the Rams have over the books and mostly over to Tom Brady led books they're currently 2-0 against them including a week three victory uh, this season too in SoFi we saw the books on Sunday evening you know ease past the Eagles but they did not come out of a clean with injuries to uh, their center um, and their right tackle, uh, Tristan Wirfs and, and Ryan Jensen. And although Jensen came back into the game and finished the game, which is fine, it, it looks a little worse for, for Wirfs. And um, we, it is maybe an area that um, the Rams could possibly look to um, go after, especially with, with Von Miller over that side too, um, who will have to come in if there is a replacement or even if there is a half fit um, uh, uh, Wirfs as well. So what... It, what do you think? Um, is that something that you can see Sean McVay targeting this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. And um, the one thing that I would look at, you, you look at that first game of the season between the two teams and the Rams completely shut down Tampa Bay's run game. Uh, the leading rusher for the Buccaneers in that game was Tom Brady. And, and that's not a good situation if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, but what that did in that game was, was made them very one-dimensional. Tom Brady played well in that game. Uh, he threw for over 400 yards and uh, I think maybe three touchdowns. So he, he played well, but he that made them totally one-dimensional. And, and that's what the Rams are able to accomplish. And they did it a little bit against Arizona, too, when they shut down uh, the run game early. They Arizona did not have that balance that we're talking about. So in terms of the offensive line that, that we're talking about there, um, I don't know some of the strengths of those guys specifically, but but if the Rams can exploit that at the line of scrimmage and they can shut down those Tampa Bay running backs and shut down that run game, that's where it's really going to start, I think. Tom Brady is a guy who he's just he's such a unicorn, you know, I mean, in, in the sense that blitzing him doesn't isn't all that effective uh, because he's so smart and he sees where things are coming from and he can make that quick pass. He can get the ball out. He's not going to stand there in the pocket and just be a, a target. Uh, he's going to get rid of the ball. He's going to identify that quick hit, whether it's Gronkowski or a running back or whatever it may be, and he's going to get rid of the ball. So sending a lot of guys at Tom Brady isn't necessarily the right play. Um, you want to try to confuse him a little bit. You want to play well in the secondary, disguise things. Uh, but you certainly do need that pressure, too. You can't let him stand back there for five seconds and, and just scan the field. So, so yeah, I, I certainly think the Rams will be looking at that. Aaron Donald will be a big factor in this game, no question about it. Uh, a guy like Ashawn Robinson will be a big factor uh, if he can play well at the line of scrimmage. Greg Gaines, another guy who can play well at the line of scrimmage. And then, as you mentioned, Vaughn Miller coming off the edge. Leonard Floyd 
Floyd coming off the edge, if they can get those guys going, it's important. But you have to pair that also. Uh, it doesn't matter how good the pass rush is. The secondary has to be uh, has to play well, too, because otherwise Tom Brady is just too smart and he's seen everything. He's been playing football for longer than some of these guys have been alive. So he knows exactly uh, what they're going to try to throw at him. And, and the Rams just have to be disciplined. But, yeah, you don't like to see it. You know, you, you don't like to see teams have those injuries. Um, but that's that's the situation. And, and the Rams will certainly look at that. And, and I know realize that the line of scrimmage is going to be very important on Sunday. And on the flip side, when they have their scouting report coming in on the Buccaneers' defense, obviously Jalen Hurts didn't really manage to to give them much of a challenge last weekend, I felt. But he there was some opportunities. He missed some throws late, holding onto the ball a little bit, missing some yeah. anticipation throws. That's definitely something Stafford can take advantage of. Do you feel like this Bucs defense, while it is very fast and can be quite aggressive, it it's not impenetrable I feel like do you agree with that yeah yeah I think so and you, you look at that first game I mean that, it was the, the first Rams Bucks games was one of uh, Matthew Stafford's better games I mean he, he spread the ball around a lot he passed for uh, almost 350 yards and, and four touchdowns in that game uh, again somewhat similar to what we were talking about a few minutes ago didn't try to do too much, didn't force things. You have to take what is there. And 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 he did a good job in that game of, of moving it around. Tyler Higby had a touchdown catch in that game. Uh, Cooper Cup had one of his usual big games, but he also threw the ball to Van Jefferson four times. He threw the ball to Sony Michelle three times. And and it, that's really what it's about, really any week for Matthew Stafford. But but I'd agree, especially um, this week against Tampa Bay, is you, you just you have to pick your spots. You know, throwing to Tyler Higby is always a good thing for the Rams. It it opens things up. You saw some plays. I thought the the uh, NBC broadcast here uh, did a good job of breaking down how the Rams would almost try to hide Tyler Higby and Cooper Cup together. So that when uh, to almost to try to confuse the defense and and you know make them cover you can't you can't double cover somebody in that situation and and that freed up Tyler Higby and and uh, Matthew Stafford did a good job of finding him or utilizing your running backs Cam Akers you saw against Arizona made a couple very nice catches uh, could have had another one that was thrown a little bit behind him so it's not always about taking the shots down the field it's not always about the big plays and and I think having that discipline against this Tampa Bay defense is going to be very, very important. Yeah. And you mentioned one of the wide receivers there, um, Odell Beckham um, scored his t- six touch caught, sorry, his sixth touchdown since joining the Rams. He's equaled his touchdown count for his whole time in, in uh, Cleveland with the Browns. So you could see he's definitely flourishing in, in the sunshine in LA and, <laughs> Um, we've definitely we we've seen a sort of, we finally sort of seen a, an OBJ that we've sort of wanted to see since these early days with the Giants. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, credit to him. You know, nobody knew exactly how that was going to go when when he came in. But it, a, a weird thing happened there, guys. Is that you know when when they brought him in, uh, Robert Woods was still playing, and and they brought Odell in as kind of like the third receiver and kind of like nobody knew exactly what they were going to do with him. Uh, it was just kind of like a nice shiny toy that, that they could, could play with. Well, then what happened was Robert Woods got hurt. He got lost for the season due to an injury. And that was devastating because Robert Woods is such a big part of that Rams offense. But I'll tell you one positive thing at, that came out of that was 
it allowed Odell Beckham to find a role in that offense. I'm not sure what his role would have been if if Robert Woods was healthy and you still had Tyler Higby and you still had Van Jefferson. I don't know how you fit Odell. I mean, they would have found a way, but I don't think he would have had any type of real regular role. And what they've been able to do here over the second half of the season is really incorporate him as a number two receiver. And, and when you have that kind of skill set opposite Cooper Cup and some of these other guys that we're talking about, he really fits in nicely. And, and he adds an element. Uh, you, you saw one of the, uh, the the games all run together, but I, I think it was the Arizona game where they kind of they got down to about the five yard line and they threw a little fade to him and he kind of turned around and and went up and, and made the 50 50 catch. That's what Odell Beckham can do for you. And then the Rams really didn't have a guy who, who could who could do that in that situation. Um and, and he's brought that element. So I, I think in a weird way, uh, you know, Robert Wood's injury helped Cooper, uh, excuse me, helped Odell Beckham because it, it kind of helped him find his way in that offense. And uh, you got to give credit to him uh, because again, nobody knew how he was going to feel. He's, he's clearly the second fiddle on that and on that offense to Cooper cup. Cooper cup is always going to be the star in that offense. People maybe didn't know how Odell would accept that, whether he would be fine with kind of taking a background role. He seems totally fine with it. Um, he's doing all the things that you need him to do. So, yeah, in terms of a, 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 a decision or a signing that people didn't know how it was going to work out, uh, I think you got to give the Rams full marks uh, for, for that one. Dara, Odell's been playing so well that they've decided to randomly drug test him today. He announced on his social media that he was getting <laughs> PEDs testing. So obviously the NFL have been keeping an eye on him as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They get those little tags in the locker yeah. room and it's like, oh boy, here we go again. Yep. Is that what it is? Is that how they know they, they, get, they find a tag at their locker, is it? Yeah, I don't. I, I assume it's under the COVID protocol. I don't know whether that it, it might have changed, but yeah, they used to come in and there would be like little uh, letters or you know like a little notice uh, taped to the to their locker. Like today's your day. You know, good congratulations, <laughs> uh, you won the lottery. So uh, that's yeah. that's how they used to do it anyway. Yeah, and we see now at this point of the year as well. It's always like the team that it may not necessarily always be the most talented team, but it's the Oh, it's the team that can stay the most healthy seems to, to get the furthest when it comes to the playoffs. And the Rams have been quite lucky in that sense. I, I know you mentioned that they've lost Robert Woods and he's been out for, for most of the year, but they have stayed relatively healthy. Um, one uh, slight injury concern, though, would be uh, left hand left tackle, I should say, Andrew Whitworth. He, he sort of yeah. pulled up a little bit during the game on Monday. He has been on the injury report. What's the, the prognosis on him? Is he expected to be good to go uh, at the weekend? It, it's going to be close. And and this is where the short week, you know, really hurts them having played on Monday and now having to turn around and play on Sunday. As I'm sure you, you guys know, uh, NFL teams are not real forthcoming with injury uh, reports, but the way that that game went, it almost looked to me that those were two separate injuries. Uh, the, the first one, it looked like he got rolled up on his, the back of his leg a little bit, which is usually a knee issue. Uh, when when somebody brings you down like that and then the second one was pretty clearly an ankle um, so it, just based on my 
uh, my the the poor the poor grades that I got in biology in 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 my schooling, I w- I would say that uh, that the knee is probably a little bit more of an issue than than the ankle. An ankle you can generally put a bunch of tape on it. You can give them a pain killing shot, and uh, you can get them through you know a three hour football game. The knee is the one that that's a little bit more worrisome just because of the mobility, uh, especially when you have to move laterally sometimes, like a like an offensive lineman will have to. Um, so I would imagine that they'll be back at practice. I would imagine he will be certainly be limited at practice, if not held out completely just to try to manage that and try to get some therapy treatment during the week, um, just based on complete instinct and complete, you know, that having gone through these types of things before, I would say it's probably a game time decision. Uh, but, but we'll see. And, and they'll certainly have some other options ready, but, but you can't replace a guy like Andrew Whitworth. Yeah, uh, and we did mention the, the 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 stat earlier on that the the Rams have had a good record against the Tom Brady books, but Tom Brady is obviously a different beast when it comes to uh, the postseason, when it comes to playoff. Of course, Brady has two of his Super Bowls against the Rams, yeah. so he knows well how to beat them. Um, and but the Rams have a, a decent record against the Bucks even in the offseason. The last time they played was in the the ninety nine NFC Championship. Was that it? And it was Kurt Warner? I think that was the last time they played. In a postseason game, um, what what are you thinking for this game now on Sunday? Do you think that um, the Rams are going to um, sort of make it to the NFC Championship, um, or do you think it's going to be Tom Brady and the books to continue on? Whew, it's it's a tough one. Um, it, it's going to be a great matchup. I was concerned about the Rams in the Arizona game because I didn't know how that secondary was going to play uh, without having two of those safeties. But but the Rams defense did a did a really good job. Uh, to me, it all comes down to the turnovers. Uh, in in Matt in and specifically comes down to Matthew Stafford uh, not turning over the ball. If he can have a clean game, I I can see the Rams winning this game. Uh, having Cam Akers back. Uh, is is a game changer for what they can do with that with that running game and, and that balance that we talked about. I can absolutely see a path for the Rams where they have a, a good day on the ground, where they don't turn the ball over, uh, where and they they win the game something like you know twenty eight to twenty four or something. I see a little I see it a little bit lower lower scoring than it was the first time, which I think was a thirty four twenty four game. Uh, between these two teams. I don't think it'll get quite that high in terms of the score. So that's, again, where I think the turnovers come come into play. It, you cannot turn the ball over, especially against a veteran Tampa Bay team, especially against Tom Brady. You can't give him the ball in, in advantageous situations. I know the Bucks are a slight favorite in this game. I think the matchup is good for the Rams. Um, all you, If you look at the, the individual matchups, I think I think it favors the Rams. I would pick them slightly, very very slightly. But again, it is so tenuous. If they turn the ball over, it can go the other way very fast. So if I had to put money on it, which I will not, because that <laughs> that never leads to good things. But I I would say a very narrow Rams win. You know, three points or or fewer. Right. Okay. Now I it wouldn't be fair on me if I didn't. Uh... If I wouldn't be fair on me, or it wouldn't be fair on Jake now, if I didn't ask the uh, the the betting line actually has Tampa as a three point favorite at the moment, and the over is forty eight and a half. 
what do you think? Are we going under? Um, or forty-eight and a half. So last yeah. time it was fifty. It was fifty-eight. So so yeah, that that comes down a little bit. That's I, I know I know there's nothing uh, uh, better hates to uh, hear more than wow that sounds about right uh, because <laughs> you want to hear something that that's a little forty-eight um, is that that's like a twenty uh, wow it's like a twenty-eight to twenty game. Or maybe like a 24, well, I mean, it would be 24-24. Gosh, I mean, that really sounds about right, to be honest with you. I, I might even go slightly over. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think it'll get uh, tremendously higher. I mean, I, I, I could see like a 50, like a 27-23, or a, you know, a 28-23 or 28-24 or something like that. So I, I guess I would go a little bit higher, but but not a lot higher. Yeah, I guess I think it probably would be the line probably be higher and become a little more comfortable going a little higher if maybe the books had their all, all their wide receivers available um, sure. and they weren't reliant on mostly like Gronk and Evans and a few other guys that they found somewhere in the practice squad. But listen, Rich, it's it's always great to speak to you on the show. We really enjoyed the chat today. Before we let you go, um, if anyone hasn't already, where can they subscribe to the podcast or read your work? Yeah, thanks guys very much. Uh, yeah, the the athletic uh, our, our Rams coverage, our, our beat writer Jordan Rodriguez does a fantastic job. Um, you can pr- probably the best thing to do would be to go to theathletic.com slash eleven personnel, the number eleven, the word personnel, and you can get our podcast there. You can also subscribe uh, to the athletic. There's always a great deal. Uh, we've got a always got a bunch of uh, great content uh, over on the other side of the Atlantic also. So uh, check that out also. Or you can find our podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you may get your podcast. So uh, pleasure to be with you guys. And uh, I hope we have some better games this weekend. No problem. I think we definitely do. The matchups are definitely a lot tastier. So we are in for a treat this weekend for sure. Um, as I said, Rich, it's always great to speak to you. Thanks so much. Enjoy the game on Sunday. All right. You too, guys. Thank you. And we're, that's where we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be speaking to John Glennon from Sports Illustrated to look at the Titans ahead of the weekend's games. And you are welcome back to the second part of the Under Center podcast here, looking ahead to the divisional round of the playoffs this weekend. And we're going to look at uh, the number one seed in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans. And joining us to look ahead to their game against the Bengals on Saturday, we are delighted to be joined by John Glennon from SI.com. John, it's great to speak to you. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me. This is my uh, my first experience on an Irish uh, NFL podcast. So, uh, yes, uh, very much looking forward to it. Excellent. And we were talking a little off there now before we started, too, that um, you actually have a little bit of Irish heritage there as well. I do. Yes, it's all, it's all Irish in my background. Uh, I, I want to say I'm probably... Oh, probably around fifth uh, generation. Um, but um, my parents were the first uh, of their uh, both families to actually move out of Boston. We had about three or four uh, generations uh, grow up in Boston. And uh, mom was a Sullivan with Flanagan's in her background. And, uh, and dad is a Glennon. So we got a, we got a lot of Irish blood going on here. Some definitely some fine Irish uh, names there for sure. So we are definitely in for a, a good chat. And what what um what made you choose to to move from Boston now and then? I I am assuming that maybe down to, to Tennessee. Uh yeah, well, it wasn't me. It was my parents moved down from uh, from mm-hmm. Boston uh, to uh, to Washington D.C. Actually, my dad uh, worked for the uh, for the government 
down there. And my mom had been uh, teaching uh, in the at an army base actually near there. And uh, so both of them had actually gone to uh, to Boston College uh, um, and they met at a Boston College alumni party in Washington, D.C. And yada, yada, yada. Here, here I am uh, so many years later. But uh, uh, I'm the first of the Glennon family to uh, to move through the South. I, I did that to uh, to follow my sporting career. So a little bit of it was a little bit of an adjustment, but I've been here many years now. So. Excellent stuff. Excellent. So you'd be yeah, an adoptive Tennessee and then at this stage for sure. Absolutely. Yep. I've been here, uh, you know, over, uh, over 20 years now, um, covering, uh, both the Titans and the, uh, the NHL team, the, uh, the, the Nashville Predators hockey team here. Um, and, uh, really gotten to enjoy Nashville. I'd, I'd never been here before I moved here. And, uh, you know, uh, you guys may be familiar with the, the background and heritage of, of Nashville is known as Music City and uh, country music capital of the world. And I always assumed that, you know, everybody was walking around with boots and cowboy hats and, uh, and such around here. It was, it was a welcome relief to find out that was not the case. That, that was there if you were looking for it. But a uh, um, lot of variety here in, uh, in Nashville. And I've, uh, as I say, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's definitely a place there on my bucket list that I have to visit now, especially after seeing um, the draft there a couple of years. Was it the 2018, 2019 draft that they had in, in Nashville? So when I saw that and the, the big outdoor arena or outdoor draft and everything, I yeah. thought like that's definitely a place I'm going to have to visit. It really is. And and they're very excited uh, this weekend, too, about, you know, having a home playoff game for the for the second straight year. And they, the city has already set up big downtown uh, tailgating parties on, on Friday afternoon and evening to kind of lead into Saturday. And, and the idea is, yeah, to, to kind of recapture that same spirit that you saw in the in the draft. Um, and, uh, you know, one other example of that here in Nashville is, is in 2017. When the, the hockey team that I mentioned, they went to the uh, to the Stanley Cup Finals, um, and uh, boy, the the city just caught fire, and there were probably thirty or forty thousand people at at the downtown parties. You know, the ones that weren't going to the game in the first place. Uh, so Nashville is is a is a big entertainment spot, and they like to put on a a good show. They enjoy a a good party. So I imagine it'll be a quite quite the lively weekend uh, coming up here. Brilliant. And and yeah, let's look ahead to, to the game on Saturday. Of course, the, the Titans with the number one seed had a, a bye week last week and they got to see everyone um kick lumps out of each other for 60 minutes in various games. And it's it's going to be the Bengals in, in at, at Nissan Stadium. And is there anything there that you would have seen now or do you think that the, the Titans would have seen this past week that would give them anything to, to worry about? Barry obvious, of course, with the likes of how well um, Joe Burrow has been playing and how well, how well he's connecting with Jamar Chase. Yeah, I don't necessarily think uh, anything uh, was was a big surprise. As you say, that certainly has to be the, the biggest concern, um, you know, for the Titans, not only Burrow and, and Chase, but, uh, you know, T Higgins, uh, Taj Boyd, uh, you know, and, and Joe Mixon in the in the backfield. The list just kind of goes on and on for Cincinnati with uh, with so many great offensive weapons. Uh, you know, maybe the the one thing that that works to the Titans advantages 
Um, you know, the, as you said, uh, the, they got to watch everybody kick lumps and, and one another last week. And the Bengals took a few hits on that defensive line, uh, some some injuries to the defensive line. Uh, they lost one of their best defensive line players. So that's, you know, that's certainly an advantage that the Titans have with that that bye week. Not only do they get that extra rest, but everybody else beating one another up and, and you get a, a little bit of a depleted team going against you uh, this weekend. Yeah, and looking ahead on, on the other side of things, when you're saying like teams are a little beat up, it gives the Titans uh, time to get some important players healthy. None other than star running back Derrick Henry, who has, seems to be getting through training this week. Um, is he, He's still technically on IR, I believe. He hasn't been officially activated from it yet, but it looks like um, all signs are good for him to uh, to play on Saturday. It's looking uh, very, very likely at this point. We actually had, uh, you know, for the first time today since before the uh, before his injury, he actually uh, spoke to the media again. Um, and though he hasn't been activated yet, it would be hard to imagine that the Titans made the choice to present him to the media, uh, only to say we're not going to play him uh, a couple days later. So I think that's a, that's a pretty likely scenario. You know, and, and Derek Henry uh, has been practicing now. This is his third week of practice uh, he looks good. He's 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 running with uh, with great pace. You know, he had uh, a padded practice yesterday to help him get used to contact because he hadn't had contact in a while. So I don't think right now it's a it's a matter of if uh, Derrick Henry plays or not. I think he will. It's just a matter of how many carries uh, does a running back like Derrick Henry get. He's a guy that's used to carrying a huge load. You know, much more than other NFL running backs. Twenty. 25 carries a game sometimes even more but can you do that with a guy who hasn't played in three months that's that's kind of the the big question and if you don't give him all those carries do you get the full impact of of derrick henry the big bruising back who wears down defenses throughout the game so it'll be a bit of a tough call for the titans in in that regard john just sticking with that really quickly because while Derrick Henry went down, and that's a huge blow to any offense that has a player of that caliber go down. Foreman really, I felt like, credited himself pretty well, and the Titans kept that winning going, even when Henry went down. Is it a little bit of a relief to know, while, as you mentioned, Derrick Henry is definitely, with that size, he's kind of a momentum player, right? You want him in the game for as long as possible, build up and up and up and really finish the game out. But is it a huge positive now to know that in the backfield there, you also have Foreman who can do just as good a job and be also very dangerous on the ground for when uh, Derrick Henry is not in the game? Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. You know, and and they never obviously would have known about a guy like Foreman or or the other running back, Dontrell Hilliard. You know, normally Derrick Henry eats up so many of those carries, you know, the, the, the reserves – you, you just don't know much about them because they only carry maybe three, four times a game. But in this instance, um, yeah, Deontay Foreman has really established himself. Um, when you look at it, when, when Derrick Henry went out after week eight, the Titans, I believe, were number four rushing team in the NFL, and they finished the year at number five. So that tells you something about how well they ran the ball, even without Derrick Henry. And, you know, Deontay Foreman also is, is the kind of guy who runs – a bit like Derrick Henry. You know, he doesn't have Henry's breakaway speed, but he's a big impact guy. He's, he's a bruiser. 
Um, and, and so nothing much has to change in terms of blocking schemes, things like that when he's in the games. Yeah, we talked to the Titans offensive coordinator this morning, uh, Todd Downing, and, and he said he's looking forward to the to the three-headed monster, uh, if you will, of, of Derrick Henry and, uh, and Foreman and, and Dontrell Hilliard, all of them bringing, you know, a little bit different uh, skill set to the, to the table. Um, just to continue there uh, with the offense, um, Tannehill's numbers this year have been a little bit down. Um, his QBR is down. Interceptions are up. Touchdowns are down. Is that more a symptom of just injuries? Um, AJ Brown missed games, Julio missed games, and of course Derrick Henry missed games. Is it strictly a symptom of just injuries, or is it something to look at going into this game now? Uh, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think it's probably primarily injuries, you know, um, because, I, and I think one of the ways the injuries impacted, you know, for Julio Jones, for instance. Um, you know, it, it's one thing if A.J. Brown misses a few games. He still has that connection from the past with Ryan Tannehill. They practiced together. They've played together so many times. So, you know, whenever he came back, things were, were pretty smooth. But but with Julio Jones having not played with the Titans and without Tannehill uh, this year, it's a different story. You know, I, I'm not sure they ever kind of formed that, that chemistry um, and, and you just haven't seen that, that bond, uh, that you see between Ryan Tannehill and, and AJ Brown. So that's been an, an issue. And then I think, yeah, when, when you don't have Derrick Henry in the game, I think that does hurt your play action, uh, game. And, and certainly the Titans have been one of the best teams in football. Ryan Tannehill's numbers in, in play action have been great, uh, over the years, but when you don't have Derrick Henry to occupy the eyes of the, of the defense, when you fake the ball to him. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a real concern. And uh, so I think having him back in there, you know, keeps those defenders a little closer to the line of scrimmage, makes them hesitate a little bit more on the, on those play action situations. And I think that should really help out Ryan Tannehill. Um, I, I will say though, in, in addition to those, to the injuries, I do think there have been more times this year that the Tannehill has made, you know, maybe some questionable decisions that we didn't see in those first couple of seasons uh so i think there is some fault there and you wonder too if there's anything to the fact that he's working with a new offensive coordinator this year in in todd downing the, the coordinator he had his first two years of the titans arthur smith of course is now the head coach at atlanta so they're they're still a kind of a work in progress uh i think and and that may contribute to it also yeah, but one one important thing that we could see that that could help Tannehill in this game as well is a, is an interesting t- stat that I saw doing research for for this today was he's the only quarterback now that has seven rushing rushing t- touchdowns in the last two seasons, and with Derrick Henry um coming back and obviously the amount of um you know the amount of attention that he will get these read option um. Uh, read option plays that be available for Tannehill close in the red zone, close to the goal line, would give the ten the Titans another uh, weapon heading into the game. Yeah, and you know we've seen over the past few years, and and in the last few games at least this season, the Titans have been one of the best red zone teams in in the league, and and I think that's a major reason why. Not only do you have that threat of Derrick Henry, uh, but we have seen several times 
when Ryan Tannehill fakes that ball to to Derrick Henry, as you said, in, in a bit of a, a, a read option situation, 99% of the defense heads to Derrick Henry, often leads him, you know, with, with just a wide open uh, jaunt into the end zone. Um, yeah, and, and it is kind of interesting when you think of all the, uh, the the mobile quarterbacks in the league, whether it's, you know, whether it's Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, who didn't play this year, of course, but, you know, any, any of the guys you think of as being really, really mobile. Uh, and here's Ryan Tannehill, uh, as you mentioned, the guy who has seven touchdowns running in, in both the, the last couple of years. So I think that's um, uh, he doesn't get enough credit for that, you know, outside of the Nashville uh, market. I, I think uh, nationally, you know, I think critics kind of uh, kind of look down a little bit on, on Ryan Tannehill as being a product of, of Derrick Henry. Um, and I, I think he probably deserves a little bit more credit himself. Yeah, and I want to move sort of away from the team and, uh, and speak a little bit about uh, Mike Bravel and, and the job that he's done with the Titans, getting the number one seed this year with, with chips stacked against them so much in terms of injuries, like we've mentioned about Derrick Henry, but he's also missed his two best wide receivers for periods in Julio Jones and, and AJ Brown. And, and that also... Um, issues on the defensive side with injuries too it hasn't just been all on the offense but he's continued to sort of uh, push the team through and and get that number one seed and you know we we hear a lot about you know coaching trees and and you know how some are successful and some are not and 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 Bill Belichick's tree obviously doesn't seem to um be as well regarded in the league at the moment of course with obviously with the likes of even Brian Flores sort of losing his job this offseason with Matt Patricia losing his job the previous year and stuff like this but he's sort of you know the exception sort of to the rule of the of the, the Belichick tree that sort of he his former uh, coaches can't become decent head coaches yeah uh, that's a very good point uh, now now technically speaking he never coached under under Belichick but, yeah. but obviously played under under Belichick for so yeah. long that there was obviously a great deal of, of influence there as well um, but you know I, I think uh, early on you know when when the Titans played the Patriots Mike Mike Vrabel made it very clear that he had sort of separated himself from you know from New England background from the uh, the Bill Belichick heritage you know I, I think uh, somebody asked him about the uh, you know can you talk Mike about the the Patriots way you know and, and that's the reference to how the Patriots have won so many Super Bowls over the years. And Mike Frabel kind of paused and he said, Patriots way, huh? He said, I think that's a street up there somewhere there, isn't it? Uh, you know, just a, a little reference, but but he was sort of making it clear again, as I say, that he didn't hold Bill Belichick in awe. Uh, you know, he didn't hold that whole New England Patriots reverence, maybe that, that so many other um, people and, and teams did. Uh, and, you know, maybe that had a, a little touch, a little bit of success in, in why he beat the, the Patriots uh, the, the first two times that they played. Not this year, uh, but the first two times they, they played, um, you know, the, the Titans came out on top. But, yeah, he's, uh, he's his own guy. Uh, there's no doubt he's had a lot of influences. You know, you include also, you know, he played for, uh, for Bill Cower. Uh, um, and uh, he coached in uh, in college under under Urban Meyer, the somewhat disgraced Urban Meyer now, but who certainly has a pretty good resume himself. Uh, and Bill O'Brien, you know, also in in Houston as well. Um, so there's a lot of influences, but uh, but Mike Vrabel is uh, is his own guy, and and uh, certainly he and the general manager here in Tennessee, John Robinson, 
have done a tremendous job in, in turning around a franchise that was really just woeful uh, for, for about a decade and, and now is consistently, you know, one of the better teams in the, in the league. John, at the, at earlier on, you mentioned a laundry list of talent that the Bengals have and coaching is going to be very important in this game. Obviously on the defensive side of the ball, the correct answer is you stop everything. But what do you feel like is the linchpin or maybe the most, the highest priority for Vrabel and the coaching staff in order to give the Tennessee the best chance of winning this game and, and really uh, stop the Bengals from moving the ball the way they want to move it? Yeah, I, I think priority number one has to be stopping the deep shots. You know, I think Cincinnati's offense is probably the best, or if not the best, you know, one of about uh, connecting on those long strike uh, touchdown passes. You know, it's it's one thing to uh, to make a team drive, you know, 10 plays uh, and, and score a touchdown, you know, because because you're thinking, hey, maybe they can make a mistake. There could be a penalty. There could be a turnover. But when you get beat on those long plays, uh, you know, it's it's a momentum changer. Um, it gives the other team the ability to, to really roll up points in a hurry if they get a few of those together. Uh, so I, I think to me that's the biggest priority and is uh, is making sure they don't get those, you know, the 40, 50-yard touchdown passes that, that really uh, strike a blow uh, against the defense. And then, you know, almost in the, in the same light offensively, I, I really think the Titans have to be able to work that ball control offense. They have to, you know, use Derrick Henry in the running game uh, to take some time off that clock to, to make sure that Cincinnati's offense isn't on the field. You know, obviously, if, if Joe Burrow is only out there for, for 25 minutes as opposed to 35 minutes, you know, the, the less uh, punishment he can do. But, but if it's one thing defensively, it's keep those plays in front of you. You know, don't surrender the, uh, the, the deep shots to them. Yeah, and then looking at uh, winding up, sorry, this part of the show, then, um, John, what is there anything else that you're looking out for for Sunday or Saturday, I should say, that, that uh, we haven't had a chance to speak about yet? And uh, finally, are you what are you expecting uh, or who are you expecting, sorry, I should say, to, uh, to advance out this game? Yeah, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, uh, one thing to look at on both sides is uh, the play, the pass protection of the offensive line, um, because both of these quarterbacks were sacked an awful lot during the regular season. And both of them, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Tannehill's, uh, or you guys mentioned Tannehill's interceptions earlier. Well, Joe Burrow has actually thrown a fair, you know, almost the same number, I think, as, as Ryan Tannehill. So, both of these guys, um, you know, have been pressured throughout the season. Both have uh, been prone to mistakes from time to time. So I think that's one key is which offensive line will protect better uh, in the passing game. That, that's going to be important. Um, you know, I, I think uh, if I if I have to to make a, a pick, I will probably be a, a, a homer. Uh, and I will say that the, uh, the the Titans come out on top in a uh, in a close game. I think you know, uh, as talented as the Bengals are, I think we've seen this year that the Titans have been able to control the clock against teams like that, against Buffalo, against Kansas City, and in, in both of those games. And if they can do that, uh, as I say, and and keep Jaro, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, on the sidelines a, a large extent of the game, I, I think maybe the Titans. 
uh, in, in Titan style. They find a way to win, and it won't be pretty, but maybe they win by three points and then move on. Okay. And then if it is if that does come to um, fruition and the Titans do advance, who would you think they would rather play than in the AFC uh, Championship game? Holy cow, they were, that is a tough uh, uh, decision because, boy, both of those teams looked so good uh, last week. Both uh, both Buffalo and, and Kansas City, I think, really looked good. Uh, of course, both of these uh, – the, the Titans beat both these teams this year, um, but I suspect they might like to face uh, Buffalo. That's just my uh, take on it a little bit more. Um, they've had better success here against Buffalo, I think, the last – two games in the last two seasons they've won. Um, and uh, I, I think Pat Mahomes, when, when he is on, I, I just think he, uh, he takes things to a, to a completely different level, even more so than, than Josh Allen, uh, you know, in, in terms of explosive offense. Um, so I, I would think that, uh, you know, they would prefer Buffalo, but that's a, that's a tough call because like, as I say, boy, both those teams looked very good last week. Yeah. But that's a, it is a tough call. It, it's um, I don't know. It's kind of you know asking if you want to be uh, hitting the right side of your face or the left side of your face. You know, you know, you don't want either, but you're going to be getting one of them, so you might as well choose. You know, um, that's right. But but uh, John, it's been great having you on. I really appreciate the time that you've taken to to speak to us today. For anyone that'd be interested, where can they uh, read some of your work? Sure. Uh, if you look on the uh, si.com and then we can go to the uh, the Titans portion of that website, uh, that's where you'll find uh, my work or at uh, uh, Glennon Sports on Twitter. You can follow me there. And if you're a hockey fan, uh, you can look on NHL.com and look for the Nashville Predators coverage. I do some work uh, uh, as well. So we've got uh, we've got both of the big sports here in Nashville covered. Excellent stuff, excellent. And how, how are the Predators looking this year? Do they have a, another Stanley Cup run in them? Well, if you'd asked me that uh, maybe uh, a week ago or so, uh, when they had won uh, 12 out of 14 games, I would have said uh, maybe chances are pretty good. But since then, they've lost four in a row. So uh, we're right. taking a little dip right now. They're, I think they're still a, a pretty, good, uh, pretty good team. Uh, maybe not quite the Stanley Cup run yet. Just too bad because that was a lot of fun uh, in, in 2017. But uh, you never know. Hockey playoffs are, I think, even more unpredictable than the NFL. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I, I admit I've, I've sort of um, lightly looked. i more looking out for results now this year with the NHL because I'm a Seattle sports fan. Now that the Kraken are there uh, in the NHL, I've been sort of keeping an eye on it there and seeing how things are yeah. going. And with them, sure. but obviously it's it's tough as an expansion team. You know they're not going to not going to set the world alight in the first year unless unless you know you have the back and like I think was it was it the Vegas Golden Knights where they've sort of you yeah. know hit the ground running since they've become a team. They, they, they really did, yeah. They they took advantage of some uh, some interesting new rules and loopholes uh, to get some good talent right away, and um, uh, I, I think uh, the the rest of the league became a little bit more guarded. Uh, when it came to Seattle starting off and they said, okay, we're not going to give uh, uh, Seattle the kind of a, uh, a kickstart the way we did Vegas. So been a little bit more of a, uh, of a struggle for Seattle, but uh, certainly looks like there's plenty of enthusiasm up there for sure. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Now that once they get the uh, the Sonics back, then everything will be all right with the world again when they get the um, the basketball going again up there. Right. Um, especially now that they have the arena now to play. I think what was it the Climate Pledge Arena? I think it's called or something like that now. Or Climate yeah, Change. Yeah, 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 yeah. That they're making a very big effort to be to be green uh, up there. A lot of uh, a lot of efforts in that regard. But uh, yeah, I, I, it would be great to see the basketball team back up. And one of my First memories as a as the youngster, I grew up in Washington D.C. Uh, and Washington and Seattle played back to back years in the NBA championship. Uh, both won uh, one one of the series, one of the championships. So I know that they can uh, certainly support uh, NBA team and and uh, you know have a lot of fun doing so. Excellent stuff. Well, like I said, it's been great speaking to to you, John. Um, hopefully, you uh, get to enjoy the game. Uh, on Sunday and um, we look forward to uh, hopefully having you on the show again real soon. That sounds good. I appreciate it and enjoy it guys. And uh, hopefully I'll be over there uh, one of these days and uh, maybe uh, meet up uh, in, in person. Well, that's it. If, uh, if you are ever in Ireland, we hopefully are the first people that you're going to contact and we'll bring you out for a proper pint of Guinness in, in the best places to get Guinness. Don't worry. Not that, not that, the real touristy spots where you'd be paying 10 euro for a for a point that's only okay we'll get yeah, you the best good good yeah my brothers have already uh made it over there my parents uh made it over there i'm the, I'm the lone uh member of the family who hasn't made it so i'm, I'm due and there you go you've already got three tour guys just waiting for you so no excuse now <laughs> sounds good I'm, I'm ready all right and that's where we're going to actually wrap up this edition of the show as well. Um, before we go, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram, both the same, at UnderCenterPod. Our YouTube channel, just search UnderCenterPodcast. Make sure you subscribe to that. That's where all the shows that go out live will be shown. And also, if you prefer the audio side, uh, you can get the podcast version of it anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Under Podcast. You should find us there. Subscribe. All the shows go up there as well. Fionn and Al, thank you as always for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dara. Al, it wasn't too daunting for your first week on, I hope. I uh, know, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> excellent stuff, excellent. Give me a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, that is it. Like I said, that is it for this edition of the show. We hope you enjoy the games at the weekend. We'll be back next week with a review show of. Uh, this weekend's games and of course we will look ahead to the afc and nfc championship games too but until then stay safe and we'll see you soon